0: Jack Holroyd's knuckles whitened as he tightened his grip on the rough limestone. Just one more effort and he would be there. He took two deep breaths and hauled himself up onto the narrow ledge, scrabbling the toes of his climbing boots against the rock. Panting, he sat with his back to the cliff. It had been a hard climb in the dark. The path, steep and uneven in the daylight, had proved even more treacherous under the moon. But it was the free ascent of the cliff in the dark that had been the most challenging, even with his meticulous preparations. He had photographed the route and studied the enlarged photos on his laptop, memorising each foothold and every handhold, then had rehearsed each step in mime over and over, until they gelled into one fluid sequence. He smiled in self-congratulation as he began to haul on the rope to which the bag with his caving equipment was attached. He looked back the way he had come, down into the village, which he had left two hours before, dropping silently from the balcony of his room in the little guest house and taking a roundabout way out of the village, giving a wide berth to all the houses with dogs. There was not a light to be seen. He had made it undetected. In a few short hours, he would be the most famous speleobiologist in Europe. The pack scraped on the rock as he pulled it onto the ledge. He groped in one of its pockets for a chocolate bar and his flask of coffee. As he chewed, he reviewed the events which had brought him into this remote valley in the Tartra Mountains. He had come across a journal during one of his series of temporary jobs, this one in the archives of the library at Leipzig University. Johannes Thalberg, a Wehrmacht officer who was thought to have died on the Eastern Front in 1943, was a fellow caving enthusiast, and Jack had impulsively slipped into his bag the notebook with the photo of the willowy, dark-haired girl stuck to the cover, intending to study it at leisure and replace it later. He never did. Deciphering the spiky Gothic script and translating the journal had filled his spare hours for the rest of the summer. Over 70 years ago, in the middle of a war, Johannes had found a unique ecosystem in the depths of a cave. According to his meticulous notes and maps, the site lay in remote Slovakia and Jack knew for certain that no discovery had been made there since. A huge opportunity lay before him, a chance to convert his B-stream academic career to star status and who could prove that the discovery was not his own work. Johannes's family, if it still existed, evidently had no inkling of the significance of the journal and its contents. Jack briefly considered the ethics of appropriating someone else's research to make his own reputation, and immediately dismissed such thoughts from his mind. Finder's keepers was good enough. He resolved to disregard other considerations too. He would go alone. Entering a cave system unaccompanied broke Rule One of the Potholer's Manual, and diving alone, especially in a cave, was foolhardy in the extreme. But to take a companion meant sharing credit. Thoughts of glory smothered common sense and caution. He shouldered his pack and squeezed through the narrow cleft that Johannes had recorded in his journal. He felt his way round the first bend in the passage before switching on the lamp on his helmet, certain now that he couldn't be seen from outside. The cave was low roofed and descended sharply. Jack advanced in an uncomfortable crouch, wishing, not for the first time, that he were ten centimetres shorter. The passage narrowed and the pack on his back rubbed against the roof and walls. Jack stopped, removed the pack, tied it to his waist with an end of rope and crawled on his hands and knees, dragging it behind him. The torch cut a hole in the dense blackness of the cave, a cone of light where everything was sharp and defined. Beyond were only vague shadows. Jack looked at the floor of the cave, which was rougher than he had expected, with sharp-edged stones which cut into unwary palms, in spite of the padded gloves he wore. What was that in the corner? It was a stub of a candle, the first concrete piece of evidence of Johannes' presence here. Jack looked at his watch; he had been inside the cave for two hours. Johannes had taken three to reach the cavern, but would have moved more slowly by candlelight. He was getting close. He crawled on. Suddenly, the beam of torchlight shone into a void. Had he reached the cavern? He rose cautiously to his feet and moved down the slope towards the pool Johannes had described. The cavern was too vast for me to see the roof and walls. I moved slowly down the slope. A glint of water. In the circle of light from my lantern, I caught a glimpse of movement. I paused. Another movement. I crouched down. A centipede moved through the light, very pale in colour and almost ghost-like. Suddenly, I was aware of life all around me. Spiders and woodlice. All sorts of invertebrates, pale and apparently sightless, moving briskly. Why so much life here? Why do these creatures move so swiftly? Usually, creatures like these move slowly to conserve energy. There must be an abundant source of food for them to be so prodigal of effort. The presence of water is a clue, but not a reason. I must investigate the pool. The water is warm and I cannot tell its extent or depth. I shall have to come back. I feel I'm on the brink of a discovery, perhaps new species. Thalbergiae has a good ring to it. Imagine something worthwhile coming from this filthy war.